Hello, and welcome to The Rules of Acquisition, a podcast where we are going through every single episode of Star Trek Deep Space Nine, the greatest... (laughs) Uh, I can't go on. Uh, Anyways, my name is Wade Bowen, and with me, as always, is James Nolan. Chrysalis! And Hugh Crawford. Hi. We are talking about an episode called Chrysalis. Chrysalis. Yeah. This is uh, episode five of season seven. It originally aired October 28th, 1998. And here is the IMDb description. Dr. Bashir attempts to bring one of his genetically engineered friends out of the catatonic state she is in. And when he is successful, he begins to fall for her. (laughs) All right. We we get the... uh... (laughs) When you say it like that, it sounds really funny. <laughs> oh, this, boy. This, uh, this episode, um, we get the, the gang back together, the genetically enhanced cuckoo's nest kids this is a big problem this is the this is the king of sequels nobody asked for right (laughs) you know uh this episode had me uh oh i just chuckling thinking back to this episode but you know there is some uh some things i think that that uh, i dare say i liked some bits of this episode we're going back to hey Julian's a, a piece of shit and and uh his little some of his own issues and stuff but I'll uh I'll I'll save it cuz I'm sure that I'm sure y'all all love this episode very much. No, this was this was awful. There's so little re- redeeming anything in this. We take what is the worst character on the show and give him the worst friends. <laughs> And and make us watch them for 40, 42 minutes or whatever. And then some seriously, seriously questionable ethics, you know, in the third act. Everything about it is all fucked up. I, I, I just, I mean, I think the third act is where I, I really starts to shine for me. But I mean, it's like, it is, it's illustrating all what is kind of fucked up about Julian. And even his good, who is a good friend, I think Miles is like, Seriously, man, like, really, this is a, you know what, I'm not going to say anything because I can't solve your own problems for you. But he's like, whole time he's like, uh, you, you sure about this, Julian? And Julian is like, yes, I am because I'm a, a kind of, I don't know, um, a toxic man and with ex- expectations of women to fill his needs. And it t- turns out to bite him in the ass at the end. And he rightfully so. You're right that it. It is casting Julian as bad, but I think that you're adding a lot to the toxicity. I think you're supposed to go on this journey with him. Oh, I think you're supposed to relate to him and be rooting for for him. I believe that's what they want you to do. I mean, I'm not because how I feel about the character and everything. But even at the end, you know, it's not saying it might say Julian's an all right guy, but he's still trying to raw dog one of his patients. Right. And he's still wrong. (laughs) Like it's the wrong thing to do. And it's him being selfish. Here's the thing. This show doesn't see anything wrong with what he did. It's just that she wasn't reciprocated. I think Miles kind of gives the point of view of like, dude, this is this is a little. Miles says, uh, hide your heart. You're moving too fast. Sure. Where that's not. We're genetically Engineered, we do everything fast. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Gross. I'm a, I'm a two-minute man. Okay, yeah, no, this story comes 
dangerously close to having like a character as a uh, uh, like a Starfleet officer if should she suck his dick or something. That's what I thought. <laughs> yes. And so like I don't I don't know how to prepare you. And then he starts kissing on her. If he if that was a story about Ducat, that'd be fucking gross. Yeah. And that and that's not what the story they tell. And I I was kind of shocked. Not to mention the fact that her whole thing is acting is like being catatonic and like yeah. unresponsive and and we're <laughs> Consent to even have this procedure is not even like we're not even getting into that. Oh, well, where you no, have to... no, no, no. They, they, they do. He, I, I wrote that. They point. I, I wrote it down. They actually, they went out of their way to, uh, to give con- the consent is brought up in this episode. I remember that, and it was all very shaky. <laughs> he doesn't do the surgery without consent. And like, oh, good on Julian. He's finally doing a surgery with taking. Uh, getting the right consent. They completely skimmed that over how somebody in a catatonic state could give consent to be... Well, his his her guardian did. Sure, her guardian so, I mean, did. Right. Yeah. Did she wasn't... They couldn't pay for her back? Um, huh? They couldn't pay for that lady back? She didn't... She wasn't in oh, the, oh, the Oh, yeah, the one that got the, all scratched. Uh, the, the one that got all cut up. Yeah, 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 yeah. yeah, yeah. I don't know. She wanted the... I mean, it, it turns out she wanted, but I mean, it's like, it's a procedure that would have. I I could see why they would go ahead and do the procedure on a catatonic. Per, they they did get consent, and it was for her benefit, and she did benefit from it. She didn't seem to regret getting the procedure done. No, she felt uh, and she felt oddly entitled. Into which she fell in and encouraged her to feel entitled. I get that he's not realizing what he's doing, but still, it. it yeah, I, I know that was that was the interesting part for me, like the women's dynamics and what how men relate to women in society and stuff and women's kind of uh how they deal with certain that was interesting to me the kind of things that this episode did with that actually in the third act but uh, see here's the thing though that's the it I, would I, don't, be, I don't know i'll talk about that later when I get, well you've but, mentioned it twice now let's just do it well yeah but i mean i want to talk about so much in this episode before we get to the end all right yeah the, the journey <laughs> to, to getting to the weird third act is uh a journey into itself the third act was the least weird act to me oh i thought it was a i was like i can't i i think i said that this would never get made today but 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 maybe, yeah. Okay. For me, the third act is just all about the positions we put women in and stuff in in, in the society, especially in the nineties. But before we get there, we get the well, she's cataleptic or whatever, and and he gets the consent form. That was like that. W- I couldn't help but given all the shit we've given given Julian over the years of this podcast, like oh. Look, he finally, finally learned about consent, and they finally named, you know, specifically drop it. The guard, he wouldn't do the procedure, he didn't do the procedure without consent from her legal guardian, because she was, I mean, she was legitimately not... Yeah, she couldn't do it herself. Did it have, was it clear that they had no risk to do damage? No, that was not Uh, clear, was it? I mean, So that's, because that's the problem. It's a Flowers for Algernon story, basically, right? Exactly. (laughs) Yes, it is. Yeah. Point about consent. Medical consent, informed medical consent. A, it's got to be informed. Uh So even if the legal guardian could have all of that, it also has to be clear in those contexts, which may have been, but they don't I mean, they have an information dump and it didn't that this procedure wouldn't do any damage because if it was benign, like I, I have a, I have this experimental procedure and if it doesn't work, then I've just like I, a all surgery comes with complications, but I'm sure they've minimized that. But uh, because it's space. Right. But 
it's about the idea of can it do further damage? And if you do for the, like, what is the ratio to percentage chance of success versus the damage? And that's, and once you start getting into catatonic or people that can't consent for themselves, that becomes dicey. Right. But, dicey, not wrong, but dicey. Right, right. Yeah. And if this were the real world, I would be upset that mm-hmm. they didn't go, but they're telling the story about we brought this person back from this catatonic state. Like, yeah. they don't have time to go into all, every single moral. No, I just said it was like, yeah, question. I said it was unclear. Not a deal breaker, just unclear. Then, well, the, the fact that they all sneak in and, and pretend to be uh, impersonate Starfleet officers and then they're like, oh, okay, well. Uh, all right. Well, listen, I'd like to give them a little bit because. Quite frankly, the, the actor who plays Patrick, who is playing Admiral uh-huh. Patrick, could be <laughs> yes. cast in a different episode as a boring <laughs> white guy admiral. So they yeah, kind right. of that was kind of that was kind of all right. A broken clock is right twice a day. What are you doing here? That's a stupid question. Ladies, she's horny for Nog now, and she can stand up. Uh, oh yeah, the, oh yeah, 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 yeah. My favorite, uh, the thing that made me laugh the third most in this episode was just remembering that that woman didn't get out of her bed for that whole fucking episode, and it was the dumbest thing I've ever seen. I didn't recognize her standing up. I didn't realize that was that character. <laughs> I didn't recognize her. She had all. She had all of her. She had all of her scenes standing up in this one, Wade. So I didn't know who she was. Until... <laughs> yes, her genetically enhanced sex drive kept her enabled. This to walk. stupid fucking show. <laughs> but um, yes, I did. Uh, I was telling the boys this after uh, before we started recording. I did find out that she was in a rock band called American Girl that released an album in IRS in 1986. And did have a single that got some airplay on MTV. She is in a rock band. <laughs> oh, and she's best friends with Daryl Hannah, and they together create board games that got published. So that's pretty amazing. So she she said the best. Uh, um, Ser- Serena is like uh-huh. still a celebrity. She's like in the NPR crowd. Oh, really? She's on Wait Wait. She's a she's a, one of the Wait Wait Don't Tell Me people. <laughs> she does have good voice control. And she yeah, she's on Wait Wait Don't Tell Me, and she's on uh, like she's like an NPR person. She's like uh, yeah okay, and she's the host of Science Goes to the Movies on PBS, and she wrote her first book uh, her uh, book in 2016 called Approval Junkie. Hmm. It's about her struggles with approval. Ugh. That third act has a whole different light after that. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. Serena did it for me in this episode. I don't know why. I'm talking about in Crass. Yeah, I know. That's what's even more baffling. She was weirdly, (laughs) weirdly vulnerable and like... Not when she was catatonic, but I thought there was... She did a good job, too, of showing... The difference when she's catatonic, and part of it's makeup, I'm sure, but her just blank face versus her expressive face, like, there's a pretty big shift there that was kind of interesting to see on screen. Kudos to the actor, I guess. When she first came out and she was doing that um, fucking Marley Matlin impersonation, (laughs) I was like, I was like, I was like, it's Faith Sally? Like, (laughs) wow, was this interesting that they they cast her and she didn't have a voice, but like, is she really like, you know, does she really have, you know, you know, you know, it. Does she really have a, like a personal <laughs> that, issue? You know, so my 
much I want to say to all of you. And I and I was a little bit. I was. And then they had the mustache guy. Then they thought they was brave, and then they start doing impersonations of it, and I was like, oh shit, what the fuck is going on? Yeah, I don't. even. I wanted to do it, an impersonation of it here, but I feel like it might just be. No, yeah, it's a hundred percent offensive. Just in case you're wondering, yes. Right. So, yes. Uh, if you want to be the Adam F- Friedman of our podcast, I guess <laughs> Julian's got his dead ringers outfit again to do the surgery. But oh, and they put her head in a one of the Daft Punk masks. It's like it's like for a while I looked like I was slowly. They did the montage and it looked like I was slowly. It was interesting to me because it looked like they were slowly building the Daft Punk uh, helmet over her face. <laughs> <laughs> and I was like, well, that's kind of like if at the end, if that's the only way she can talk. Us through a Daft Punk mask. I was that's that's interesting. <laughs> that's a way to go. They they come out of the montage and they're like her Nora Ephron levels are off the charts. <laughs> yes, her <laughs> Nora yeah. Ephron. But but for the romantic comedy part of this, it's like her Nora Ephron levels are off. The, she's talking in like an ASMR voice. Well, it's because she was embarrassed because they were making her do a Marley Matlin impersonation, and that's just <laughs> right. weird. She decided to dial it down to a two because yeah. <laughs> she couldn't come out guns a blazing with. It turns out that Robert Robert Downey Jr. needs to talk to her about how to like. You don't want to be performing these things loud. These these affectations (laughs) of people with like you know you know impairments. You can't you can't be doing these impersonations (laughs) of their thing for that for very. You can't do that very loud. So yeah, and so she was a little sheepish, and and then I was like, I went on a little journey with her. I was like, oh wow, like they did. They didn't know she couldn't talk when they brought her back. <laughs> this is truly what happened, is they didn't know if she could talk. And so they had to bring her back. In order to greenlight the script, they had to bring they had to bring her back and audition for a role she already played. Really? Because they wrote the whole episode and then they were like, I'm not even sure if she can talk or, or if she's good or whatever, you know? Right, right. But she, she gets rid of her Marley Matlin voice by singing. <laughs> oh my God, this scene. <laughs> Like 15 seconds into this, I was like, this is going a little long, isn't it, guys? (laughs) Yeah. For three minutes more. And by the end of it, with each round, I was like more aghast. It was kind of like the first time I watched The Room. Uh, I was just like... That's like where he's like, and now we improvise. I was like, are you kidding me? Now I was crying. By the end of it, I was rolling on the floor. I was by myself, so I'm not being performative. I was like, literally, I was like, this is the dumbest, longest thing I've ever seen. You have to remember this this scene when people try to, to convince you that Deep Space Nine is the best Star Trek. <laughs> yeah. I have to have defenses for that scene. I was I, watching this. I was like, "Fuck, man! I wish I had more Vic Fontaine in this episode." I don't. What's the deal with the sing? <laughs> what? Okay, so here's my here's my proposed hypothesis. They uh, did the Vic Fontaine episode, and then they realized. Someone, some bean counter realized that paying the royalties for old dumb shit songs is cheaper than actually filming five minutes of story. And and so they were just like, put all the songs in this season. (laughs) I just figured it was like, 
Well, we need uh, when uh, well first I was like fucking actors, man. <laughs> they had a blast doing this. But then I was like, well, oh, is this like a way to pad the runtime if like we got 41 minutes of story? Have them sync for 5 10 minutes and then we'll get our 42 or 44 minute runtime just by adjusting or or subtracting, adding or subtracting from the dumb song and and they, they well, do we a- even know if it was dubbed or did they, can those people actually sing? Everyone apparently it's their actual voice but ransom whatever that jack i knew somebody was dumb he sounds like uh the way that uh mr robot sounds by singing freddie mercury songs <laughs> oh jesus christ <laughs> speaking of the, the oscars she gives like a lady gaga putting her head in the bradley cooper kind of and that's what he thought he was gonna feel but it turns oh yeah out, it turns out she didn't have that spark in her eye when they were singing and we're, let's improvise it actually reminded me a little too close to home of um acting exercises that i've had to do in the past too I, and it went on for god i don't know i don't know <laughs> and like i think that there were trying to like do a thing in one scene shows this whole like her progress but what the fuck and everybody loved it but this is the thing you know because we we try to constantly contextualize this as as a product of the 90s so it does seem to be and it immediately when the camera starts doing those big spins when those big bugs be berkeley spins that was a thing in the late 90s is that art was just Like, it was almost clever because it was referential. You know, I think of, like, that um, Bjork video by Spike Jones, Mm -hmm. the... It's so so quiet. quiet. Yeah. Quiet. And and so then it goes into these big bombas. So look, it's like the forties, you know, in here up a hill. And um <laughs> you know, that was a particularly late nineties swing move revival, you know, all of that sort mm-hmm. of like the swingers and all that sort of stuff. It may be a touch of that. We might be seeing the baggage of that this season. The it's a reference, so therefore it's interesting. Right, um I think right. a big fontaine can be kind of looked at as it's a reference because it was interesting i'm just basically i'm just trying to say i receiving bear probably went to multiple uh cherry pop and daddy's concerts the, <laughs> both sure. season six and season seven of of this of, of the show he was cherry pop and daddying it every night he's not interested in star trek though like he just wants to <laughs> cherry pop and daddy's in space <laughs> <laughs> this is i don't know like after the dumb stuff this episode parts of it worked for me <laughs> what worked the that miles being like dude i'm your friend i can't fix your problems for you but i don't think this is great it's set up first but off. that's not what he says i guess that's what i'm saying is that it seems to be that like a lot of this show is talking past the central problem right and like <laughs> so you, you you're spending a certain amount of like miles's whole like you're moving fast that's like basic best friend 101 it's, you know but but it's not just it's not just you're moving fast he's like like this doesn't seem right to me and then julian's like it's okay i i'm not her doctor anymore and he's like well <laughs> i don't uh, uh, all right man yeah he <laughs> you know, did, like after he said that o'brien just gives him like an eyebrow raise so i didn't, yeah, feel, so I didn't it, feel like it was that insightful of a of a like a friend moment <laughs> i did like, i'm not your doctor anymore and then he he literally doesn't say anything. He, he just kind of like raises his eyebrows and looks away. <laughs> right. But I mean, it's like because you you can't he recognizes like, I mean, for, people are going to do what they're going to do. So he's like, I can tell you that I don't think this is right. But I mean, it's like, well, you're my friend. You do what you're going to do. But he, he's he's holding his tongue, but he's clearly not approving of it. The beginning of the episode sets up that Julian's the lonely 
guy. Everybody else is paired off and he doesn't have anybody and he's like the lonely pickup art piece of shit kind of like guy that he's a quote unquote nice guy who can't doesn't have anybody and he's lonely and then he gets real excited for this this woman who's everything I've ever wanted. This is all I want. And then he pushes too hard on it and gets in his own head like a lot of guys do like where he's thinking she's like me. This is perfect. Of course she feels the same way that I do. She like a lot of women might feel obligated to goes along with it because it's like well he did this really great thing for me he brought me and my life together so i see why she would be like well you know i feel like i owe him for this and she's a she's she's a super genius too so and arguably a bit on the spectrum but also like a like a psychopath but not in the i'm not not i don't even mean that in a pejorative but like where she's smart enough to where she can read people she knows exactly what the deal is with uh o'brien and you know uh miles is like atlas and kira doesn't have any doubt odo loves her because he all he's all doubt and once Ezri figures out that she's more than some of her parts she'll be great and she also gets a read on julian she's like oh he's lonely and he wants to fall in love with me, I'm going to try to. I'm going to try to be what I think he wants me to be, and she's smart enough to where she knows exactly what he wants her to be, and she tries to fit that role, but it doesn't work for her. And he is this, you know, dick that doesn't think about. It, and he's all wrapped up in his own shit, so he just looks past it. It's like this is great. I'm in love, but he doesn't think about the other person, and so that becomes toxic for her. She can't handle it, so then she goes catatonic again. And he's like, oh, I'm trying to do everything right. And then and then her friends that are like her that are a little bit spectrum too and have – they recognize, like, oh, actually, she's, she's fine. She just doesn't like – she can't deal with you, Julian. And so she goes back. And he's, he's all worked – wrought up and, you know, beat up about it. But then he realizes, fuck, I mean, I'm the asshole here, which he is, like, because he thought that she was just going to be – of course she was going to be what he wanted. And of course she would feel the same way that he does. And then so he has to let her go. But that's like, for me, that felt like a pretty good story to tell of like, you can't just, you know, like of, of selfish navel gazing, smart, quote unquote, nice guys. And, you know, her response to it. That's just me. <laughs> that's what I liked about this episode anyway. It seems like that's the weird story to tell. <laughs> this is, this is, there's no, there's no good doctor is going to be getting involved with a patient that just came out of like a, a, a catatonic state their entire adult life and think it's a good, like nobody, a ch- that's like, nobody would do that. Plenty of people would do that. Not saying, but that is, I, they're, they're not good doctors. I'll agree with you that, but that shit happens all the time. <laughs> this is not an interesting story. This is like, this should have been cut off. As we, like he should have known that it was inappropriate and a bad idea, and somebody in Starfleet Medical probably should have been notified that he's trying to like move in on his, the person he just woke up two days ago. But she, if she's not saying, if she's not like really, how much agency it, does she have? She just woke up for the first time in her adult life. I don't know, but you, I I feel like it would be hard to like say she can't do that. I don't know. It, I mean, it didn't kill the story for me. I felt thought it was an interesting story to tell. She couldn't talk like a day ago, and now it's okay to move in on her. That's pretty messed up. No, it's not. I mean, the show the the episode shows that it's not okay to do that. No, okay. So see, you keep saying that. I don't really think that that's what the episode's about. 
I think that that's what how we would read it. I think that's how everybody would read that situation, and that's a way. But I think the episode treats him as star-crossed lovers. Yes, like oh shucks, it just could like the way it ends and stuff. His like, love of her is not the problem. It's that it's not reciprocated. Is the problem of yes. the episode. Hugh, Hugh, uh, both of us. I think our position is is even if it was reciprocated, it's still off. It's. I guess I just disagree. <laughs> like it's. <laughs> I mean, if I this were the real world again, but they're telling this kind of story, and it's an interesting story to tell. But like, well, I don't, I, I, I disagree with that. But I mean, <laughs> well, clearly, that I think part they, of they it. should be rooted I, I, in 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 reason to a certain degree. And I, true I human, a, a medical doctor who's supposed to be a genius <laughs> thinks it's okay <laughs> to just get in a relationship. With a woman who's never been conscious or her, her yeah, entire I mean, life. Yes, like yes, clearly that is not a good thing. But that the but the episode treats him as star-crossed lovers. Like Julian's love is not the problem. Yeah, his love is pure and chaste almost. The episode treats it like that because she's the first little boy. You know, she's the same kind of different as him. He wants her to call him by her name, and it does. But but the episode shows that. She doesn't. Yes, be, it shows that it shows that he is moving too fast, and that's wrong for of her him to do that. Yes. It doesn't say. Yes. Well, also, well, yeah. Okay, so you're saying that it's a movie about, uh, hey, hey, Julian, you moved too fast and fucked it all up. No, that's not. And what I'm saying you're right. That is the show they made, but they also made a show about how Julian is fuck. Like everything about that was fucking gross. You, you're, and they you're, show you're right. putting words in my mouth. That's not. That's not the story I'm saying. I'm saying it's not just that it, it, he's wrong to do it. It's not just because she doesn't feel that way. It, the show but, is, but the show isn't about that he's wrong to do it. It is a bit. No, I, I dis- Well, we can disagree that it's. Well, I mean, what uh, are your this, what, what just, scenes speak towards that? One, Miles's response to you're this moving whole, too fast. I'm saying that this shows it's, again. I don't. I I just I told you already that I don't think it's just you're moving too fast. It's. I think it's but also that's the only thing that you could cite. I mean, that's what he said. No, it's not. I've cited. He's he he cited. I'm. I've cited before. You keep saying that, I, that about Miles I, is the only thing. No, but he's like that. He doesn't agree that it's right. He's like Julian. You don't. This is not. It's not just. This is too fast. He's like. That's as a doctor, this is not the right way to go. And he's like, Well, and Julian rushes past and says, I'm not a doctor anymore, it's fine. And Miles is still unsettled by it, but he just like he's like, Whatever. Yeah, oh, okay. So he actually doesn't say that. He says he says she's your patient, Julian. He goes, No, because I've handed her off. Like it was a technicality that he had just had to over like, do you have your paperwork for that she's not a you know? And so he (laughs) well, yeah, I have that sheet. And so it's not necessarily but there's not an ethical like he doesn't bring up an I, existing ethical con. You're, I mean, you're kind of adding I, that to the scene. Well, I think it's, but I think it's, I think it's in there, and you don't. That that's fine. But I just think that. Well, the Miles, fact that we could that that it that there's room for debate whether or not that specific argument is in there means that they didn't do it clearly. No, it doesn't. It means that we it have does. a disagreement over. No, it, if they did it clearly, then three people. Who, it means that we have a disagreement whether they did it clearly enough. But I saw it. Y'all don't. That's just a difference of opinion. I'm talking about how. The, how clearly they communicated the fact that an ethical problem was brought up. It wasn't, a, it was barely, a, it was like completely skimmed over, almost for story purposes rather than ethical purposes. You're saying that it's completely skimmed over and I'm saying that it wasn't for me. That's just the difference of opinion. Well, I'm not talking about what, yeah, for how you're you saying, felt about you're, it. You're citing the fact that we have the difference of opinion as proof that it's not clear enough. But I'm saying that it doesn't seem like we're talking about interpretations of the unknown. He doesn't mention, he said 
says she's your patient, and he goes, but she's not mine anymore. Which would have, if they wanted to nail that Han, he would still come back with, that's still unethical, and he would have to answer that question. They don't. But his response... Was, you're moving too fast. It's his, it, like, it's in the script, but it's also in the performance and everything. He's not totally okay with it. He's like... Uh, man, I still don't know. Well, but, if we're talking about it, tacit plots, I don't know. I mean, I I don't I didn't get that. Point. I know. I mean, so, it's clear. And then it, I don't feel like it's I don't feel like it's brought up again either. He's not like he's not it's cited not by Cisco. Again. Doesn't yell at him. He's not cited they, like I mean, you know, the Admiral of Medicine doesn't come down on him. So it's not like that part of it's not addressed. Well, just because it's not that doesn't mean that it's not there. It just means it wasn't clear enough for you. But what adult? doctor who's supposed to be a genius thinks it's okay to get involved with somebody who who just woke up for the first time in their entire life yeah th- i mean it's it's a story they're telling this story they're not like they decided to tell this story you're saying they shouldn't have told the story at all and i'm just saying this is how they told the story yeah i guess they shouldn't have i guess they shouldn't because it 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 it's sort of galling how stupid they want us to think julian is the guy that they've sold, they've sold as a genius. This goes back to we have so many arguments. It feels like over the verisimilitude of dumb Star Trek shit because they go on it. They decide that this is the story they want to tell, and and in the real world, to be like, oh, don't work okay, that way. but don't wait. Don't you believe that stories should have some sort of efficacy into the world? I yes, I'm critiquing the existence of the story, not the mechanics of the story. The existence of the story. And I don't think, and I feel like that, like, are, are, I feel like you think that maybe that's out of bounds or something. I'm saying that they found the sci-fi way to tell the story that ap- approached, like, the expectations of women and how men approach women. Oh, I think you're being it, way men, too generous about, like, yeah, I, I think you're too. putting, I, I, I think, think you I think you read more into this episode than they meant. They I, weren't making this, all this commentary. You're this making is a this romance commentary. story. They call it a romance. I disagree. The writers but, but, talk well, about it, it as a, the writers talk about it as one of the romance episodes. This is a episodes. star-crossed lovers, isn't it? Oh, isn't isn't it too bad that they couldn't that these two crazy kids couldn't work it out story right but at the same it's not it's not a commentary on how women were treated and and it is i did you keep saying i mean but i'm just saying this is the story that i saw that i liked about it it's not like saying a grand like yeah it is a romance and it's from a 90s TV writing perspective. Sorry to say it was set right. in the we're 90s. Back to this thing. We're back but to it this. Was, it was telling a story about women and men's relationships through a sci-fi context of, and this is the character of Bashir and, and, and his kind of narcissism and what his expectations of relationships are and how they're not, it's not a totally healthy relationship because he just assumes that she feels how he does. And when she doesn't feel the way that he does, it's a problem that the show like explicitly makes a conflict in the show that she's trying to do what she wants, thinks he wants and the world. And, but you can't do that. But that's what that's how we treat women a lot of the time. And, and women go along with things because I think that's what they should be doing. And. I thought this this told this was a sci-fi kind of way to tell that kind of story, and I mean for me that that's what I got. It's fine. I'm not mad that y'all disagree. I get a little bit like combative when you say no. What you're saying is not there at all. But it's like, well, I mean, it was for me. So I mean, are there limits to what someone can see in a story? I mean, are there invalid interpretations of stories? Sure, but 
if you're saying my interpretation of this is invalid, I'm going to say I'm going to get kind of uh, combative about it. No, I'm just like, saying, but what are the parameters of a valid and an invalid imp- impression of work? If what I were, if what I'm saying is completely wrong, it might be invalid. But I, my assertion is that it's not. Y'all can assert that I'm completely wrong, but I'm saying, you know, I'm not. <laughs> cool. All right. Can we talk about the honking on flowers for Algernon? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> like, uh, like, I did think that I, I do. Maybe that's the journey that I thought for a minute. It's, I was like, oh, this is a fucking flowers for Algernon fucking story. Yeah. And she's going to have problems. Uh, you know, it, when, and when it was like, when it was basically just, I don't want to fuck you. I'm like, oh, that's a weirder curveball to go. So I guess it saved it from being familiar by making it fucking gross. But... <laughs> Okay. It would have been weirder it. for me if if they resolved it by making her catatonic again. That would have felt like a, a cheaper way to go. That's what I'm saying. Yeah, yeah. That's what I'm saying that I thought like they were going for some. I I thought I thought they were phoning it in after the do re mi stuff. But <laughs> sure, to me and too. Uh, and I was like, let's just take flowers for Algernon, put a Daft Punk mask on it, and call it a <laughs> Deep Space Nine episode. Not to mention that this fact is just totally wedged into any sort of overarching storyline that we talk about that they're doing with Julian. Uh, so this was just thrown in for no reason in the middle of that storyline, but that's fine. We're there, you know, you're, it's the perils actually, of serialization. But Actually, I think, I think this works pretty well into a Julian arc of the series. It shows, it's where, he's, it's going back to original julian pickup artist who's a bit like uh oblivious to what other people i don't think feel. that i think that you you're supposed to think that he's lonely <laughs> not that he's like a well, fucking mac day all those pickup I think artists that you're supposed it's all about his lonely it's all about his loneliness and how isolated he is that i i think that they left behind the scuzzy pickup artist shit even though this is like the third episode where he ends up trying to fuck a patient. So can we talk about like that's <laughs> so we can't just like this is not just out of the blue. But yeah, um, I, I, I don't I don't think they're doing pickup artist stuff, but they are setting up that he's lonely. Yeah. And but not that he's setting toxic, up. And that's what I'm saying. I, I Well, I think there is a little bit of toxic in his in his what his expectations are of her. I, I mean, I, I, of course, I agree. But I don't think the show the show didn't seem interested in highlighting. No, that. it didn't. It wasn't illustrating that it was toxic. I will give you that. But it did well, illustrate that's like, that. That's what me. I took umbrage with is that you, yeah. you thought it was like some sort of like insightful commentary about, to- you know, toxic expectations or something. And I'm like, I don't think they were that precise in their storytelling at all. I think that. Well, I again, like, I don't think it was selling that he was toxic, but I was I do think it was selling that his <laughs> expectations of how he approaches relationships of being kind of and and how a lot of I mean I keep saying this is how we treat women and stuff but I mean I think they're mostly dealing with the character but they are saying like that Julian is short-sighted and that he's not thinking about the other person in his relationships mm-hmm. and they're also they're and and as on a way of his character arc they're setting it up for him to get with Dax, the, which is gross. Yeah, like they're showing they're setting up his loneliness and this relationship point, that doesn't work out, whatever. so that they can get him in a relationship that works later on. <laughs> Fucking Dax is less gross than anything he's fucked on the show. Right, but um, 
I, I what? But like he the, learns a little something about himself in this. That's what <laughs> we have no indication that he learned anything. I just don't think that's the episode I watched. I wish. I mean, I think that your episode's better. What did he say at the end of it that made you thought that he learned some sort of lesson? I, I view it as an episode where it's about he created a he created a masterpiece, and his masterpiece turns out wants to be an intern somewhere else. So, like, that's the story. His realization that. Just because he wanted it so bad that, oh, my God, she doesn't feel the same way, and I can't force this on her. I wish I could make her stay and fall in love with me, but I can't. I got to let her go. He has that yeah. realization at the end of the episode, so he grows a little bit. Yeah, I don't think that's a—I mean, I think that—I don't think that's a profundity of a story at all. I mean, I think— I, I don't think, think it's, it's a very most, pedestrian story. I didn't say it wasn't—I mean, it's, it's still a story. It's not—I'm not saying that it's the most profound story, but— the character learns a little bit something about himself by the end of it and how to, from this failed relationship that he can't treat relationships where he can just rush into them expecting the other person to feel how he Because feels. he's too or, vulnerable. He's too damn, he's Mr. Too Damn Vulnerable. The the doctor who keeps fucking his patients is Mr. Too Damn Vulnerable. <laughs> right. And, and that, I don't know, that's the story that I saw. Well, it, there, there is a bit of his vulnerability, but then he's like, but and then he he has the whole monologue where he's talking about this is what I've wanted from the beginning. She's just like me. Oh my god, this is what I dreamed of as a kid when I was a little boy thinking about getting married or whatever. That it's I was going to be alone. Yeah, yeah, exactly. <laughs> and and when and she doesn't fall into the stories that he's told himself about what he's got, what he wants in a relationship. And so that's when the you know he he learns that. You gotta think about the other person more. About what, I want to have know. a thousand kids because then I will have friends. <laughs> right, then I'll never be lonely. Uh, I want to have a thousand patients because then I can fuck a thousand girls. <laughs> what a weird, what a weird episode. Were people clamoring for these fuckers back? I mean, like, I don't. I think I'm. I think at the time I'm watching it, I was like. The, they think I'm enjoying watching these guys. Like, oh yeah, 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 yeah. 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 They think that we're all having a good time here. <laughs> and I don't, I, I don't know where did they, where did they get that impression? I don't know what the Usenet groups were uh, yeah. saying about it. Yeah, I don't know. That's that would be the that would be a foundational question I would ask for this episode. It's like, <laughs> right. why do you think I like this? And right. yeah, I gotta pick up a copy of Deep Space Nine magazine from the grocery store yes. back then and see what the other interview were with Faith Sally. Yeah, we can go to the diaper <laughs> store and, and probably find that. Exactly. <laughs> he does have a stack of Starlog or no Star Trek magazine. I think. I mean, no one really shit talks this episode behind the scenes. The Do Re Mi scene and the and the yeah, they talk Matlin about that the here. most, and they're all pretty like happy with that because they're you know they're they're theater people. Exactly. Um, I wrote down fucking actors, man. You know, I think that we can now decidedly say that season seven's water is still choppy, but um, um, the, I, 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 I'm, I'm for it. Y'all, I, I, yeah, like no. I disagree. Y'all were totally wrong about. Take me to the Hollow Suite. That was a great episode. Oh yeah, um, the ethno ship, the USS Richard Spitzer. Yes, you get hung up, y- y'all get up, hung up on these one little details, and then oh, yeah. like in this well, that's what the whole the show was weird about. Weird verisimilitude. The, it's a story that they're telling. It's not the real world. I mean, it's it is not about like it's a right. saying a Vulcan spaceship. I mean, can you really? That's a def- you just gave a defense 
for anything. That's literally it's, a defense for anything. No, it's not. Y'all are being ridiculous. You about- can't break that out. You can't. You can't break that 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 exact line out for any story. Then what? No, if it's a. It, you guys no, are just overthinking this. No, no, you guys are overthinking this. You're totally overthinking the idea of space aliens that are stronger than everybody else. It's not a fucking uh, bell curve thing to have a ship full of Vulcans. Building a diverse was, society is difficult. Yeah, man. and that's part of the diversity is that they allowed for one... Like, I st- thought Star Trek was supposed to be a place where we could see that enacted without question. It is. Y'all are making these weird questions out of it that don't it's need to be... weird. It's, We're the, overthinking it's the it. crux of the whole show. Of that Having whole episode, one, it was the crux of the whole show. If they didn't have nothing one but Vulcan... Vulcan ship, does not ruin the ideals of Star Trek because there's a one ship, an infinite diversity is having a ship. We didn't say it ruined it. What we what we said was it it was it sticks out like a sore thumb, like it like <laughs> to y'all it does. But I this that's never it's it's crazy to me. But we're thinking about it too much. <laughs> exactly. We're we're ruining everybody's good time. <laughs> Have you never heard of suspension of disbelief? And get all that word about it. But what do you know? Haven't you heard of suspension of disbelief? Wait, wait. What's your what's your least favorite? What's 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 your least favorite show? That's a, I would have to think about that for a while. Uh, Joel Schumacher movies. I know, I know. Like if we were talking about Joel Schumacher movies, do you like Joel Schumacher? Why you? Why do you not like Joel? Sch- why do you not like Batman and Robin? Or why didn't the OA work for you? Oh, because that was just nothing but flailing masturbation. This has. I'm not. Well, would, you're just like, the, no. That's just overthinking it. I mean, no, you can sit down I mean, and you can have a good time. <laughs> that's no that, that and was, a lot of people did it was really popular and so a lot of people did i did i just sat down and had a good time and i didn't but, think about all the stuff but, that you're talking the masturbation no because there was there was no like guiding structure to that that's a totally different conceit to, yeah you're not gonna bait me that easily <laughs> i think you're overthinking it I like well it. i think you're just saying that to get a rise out of me they took risks. They took risks, and they're overthinking. Yes, I'm saying that because what that critique that we're overthinking it. It's a dead end. No, but it's it's not an opening up. It's not an opening up for further discussion. It's a dead end. Well, yeah, but there's there's a difference. But in, well, one, this is just a better show than the OA. <laughs> you know, like, and and it's like uh, only if you don't overthink it. <laughs> no, dude, you're just you're you're pulling out straw men now, like. Like I I'm not. I'm actually. I'm doing that thing where you refer. Excuse me. I'm deploying the gambit where you reverse the argument. <laughs> <laughs> so I'm just saying that. I'm just saying that. That's you. You. You deploy that. You're overthinking it. I don't really know where to go from there. All right. I mean, I guess maybe we are. I mean, I kind of want to show you can't overthink. Wouldn't that? I mean, I don't know. Isn't that the ideal? Well, we could definitely have the conversation over again. We can definitely do that for the next 40 minutes if you want. Is that I merely, it was like an offhanded comment and that you rode like a, like, till it was like frothing and couldn't go any further. I mean, you, you, well, yeah, you because killed, you I didn't understand the, how to, because I said, I said one, one thing that stuck out at the beginning of the episode was, no, that could have been fixed with a different story idea. But I disagreed with first premise that the story idea needed fixing. Because y'all said that, that this one thing that should have, if they'd done it, would have fixed it, ruined the episode for you. And it's like, what? That's not the episode that I saw. ruined the episode for it. it. What ruined the episode for for me was the fact that it was about, presented it to be about one thing, and then it turned out to be about, you know, 
moral victories or yeah a dumber weaker thing yeah oh well yeah again i disagreed with you on that too (laughs) but uh this was well, this was chrysalis, not that one. As as you know, you go low and I go high. Then Wade, <laughs> <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna keep kicking because I disagree with Michelle Obama on that one. This episode made me feel creepy. There we go. This episode made me feel creepy, and it didn't make me feel uh, like I was with the writers on this. Fair enough. They're starting to have that problem. Uh, maybe it's me. Maybe it's Hell World. Maybe I'm changing. Maybe I just. But these things are there, and they're weird, and they're icky, and I don't know. I don't know, like, I can't ask myself, would this have bothered me in 1998? It probably wouldn't have. A lot, you know. So, right. I don't know. I'm not I'm not deciding whether Iris Stephen Bear gets to live or die. <laughs> yeah. He made a timeless work, and I get to critique it by the standards of whenever. That's the def- definition of timeless. Sure, sure. And so if it can't, if it starts feeling old or dated, really old or really dated, then there's no way to go forward. I mean, you know, I don't, I don't know. Like, the, the, I'm sure that the animators that made Song of the South weren't, ha- weren't, you know, weren't horrible people too. But like that, that show is gross in a modern context, and we have to cut it out. And you, we couldn't sit here and talk about the Song of the South and talk about it like as if like we don't live now. We live in the 70s or 60s or whenever that came. Right, out. right, right. So I don't yeah. know. Like, so the grossness in this episode is there. I don't know yeah but, you know the the weirdness about the over you well, you can't win that jake they're they're vulcans they're genetically better than you you know <laughs> like that bothers me it bothers me and yeah. maybe it shouldn't and i know it doesn't i mean i know it's a standard thing in all sci-fi and D games and everything like that and i get all of that but it's <laughs> weird in this kind of show it's weird in that context that brings things to mind and if i was prone to be a certain uh, if I was a you know if I was a white nationalist, I would find solace in the arguments that that were posited in that episode, and that bothers me. And I didn't realize that until I watched it again for this podcast. Yeah, and with this, I, epi- mean, I mean, with this, it's just fucking weird. This episode's fucking weird <laughs> yeah, and lame. You think that- and then- <laughs> And then it gets yeah. weirder. And then it, I yeah. yeah yeah. I mean, I don't want to call y'all snowflakes. <laughs> really, we sat through a, a do re mi scene for five minutes, and you, and you think that we're out of line for not liking this episode? No no I'm no I'm still hung up on the the baseball episode. This episode. I'm so oh totally, well, you're gonna go to your grave. You're gonna. Did we gr- make you vote? Did we make you vote for Trump on that? Yeah. No no <laughs> these, no. These, these, these SJWs on this podcast are making me vote for Trump. <laughs> Basically, yeah. You're gonna go. I was a Clinton voter, but now I'm voting Trump in 2020. Yeah, you're you're gonna go to your grave <laughs> hung up on the ethnoship episode, but it's not gonna. It, I didn't. I didn't even give it a second thought, and when the, when we were done recording it, like I forgot yeah, about well, it. I mean, yeah, I'm hung up on it, but I'm hung up on it because I think y'all were hung up on it. So it's 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 contending calmer than. But you, are. you were wrong then, because you you it lives in your head rent free, and I can like didn't even think about it. Well, then congratulations, you. I'm jealous. What's your what's your rewatch meter for the Do Re Me? Oh man, like a five. Oh my God, you wrote this hard for a five. Yeah, like this episode was laughable to me, but like I said, I saw some things in the third act that I uh, like. Yeah, I, this is a zero for me. I will never watch this one again. Like I, I will never watch it again. 
If I could not remember it, and then someone show me the Dory Mia scene again, <laughs> and so that okay. I could go like a ten, like because I literally fifteen seconds in, I was like, dude, this is drag. Like, come <laughs> on, you guys rush through plot points like crazy. Move on and like, fuck no. But uh, no, this is zero. I'll never watch this episode again. What do you guys think? The good people of IMDb think of this. Uh, well, it has fan favorites, uh, the gang who couldn't shoot straight. So. Oh, I bet this is in the sixes. Uh, 6.8. It's a (laughs) 7.1. 906 votes, which is pretty pretty damn high. Yeah. All right. (laughs) Riding right in the middle between us. Yeah. Uh, Yeah, no. (laughs) I mean, I don't know. I I laughed at the ridiculousness of this, but I think on the next episode i think it's a wayun yeah it's a wayun episode okay. and it's called treachery faith in the great river which sounds like a book i would never read the, the great river is that it's not the river of commerce or some ferengi shit is it uh no i don't no no what wayun wants to defect i think that's a starting point for the episode Okay. Yeah. Um, this hmm. wasn't written by, uh, I mean, this was written by the backbenchers in the writer's room, David Weddle and Bradley Thompson. So it, maybe, maybe let's see what the kids on the bench could do if we put, if we put <laughs> him in fourth. I don't know. Okay. Uh, so yeah. D- didn't they write this one too? Who wrote No, Renee. This is Renee Shavaria. No. Favorite milk tooth writer. Um, I, 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 I currently have Renee Shavaria in my Star Trek writers fantasy pool. Uh-huh. And he's for trade if someone wants to call me up <laughs> I can, uh, you can get for real cheap Renee Ashenberry real cheap right now I'm just telling you I'll even take prospects <laughs> <laughs> okay so I guess we're to the uh, let us know what you think part of the show give us a call if you if you think that I'm wrong and they're right or vice versa or nobody's right we're all wrong or it's not about right and wrong. It's, it's about just what you think. Give us a call at 917-408-3898 and uh, let us know about that. Or uh, check out all the other Kickers of Elves stuff at kickerselvelves.com and more importantly, Patreon. Give us money for more content at patreon.com slash kickersofelves and do all the stuff with reviews and whatnot that every other podcast asks you to do all right well thanks again for listening to another episode about the ethno ship we <laughs> we hope you join us next week as we talk about the uh, another uh uh ethno ship uh episode <laughs> for wade james and myself three to be mouth i was calling through a festival way out west i was thinking about love and the acid test First I got real dizzy with a real rockin' gang And then I saw the coma girl On the excitement gang And the rain came in from the wide blue yonder Through all the stages
fanatic was burning down a bug of land. Somebody was wailing out there. Ripping the teen scene dead. And the rain came in from the white blue yonder. I thought you and me might wander. Oh, gone, girl, and the excitement gang. Mona Lisa on a motorcycle gang. Thou was falling upon desolation road. So my love band had the last drop on the go. Let's siphon up some gas. Let's get this show on the road. Said the coma girl to the excitement gang. Into action, everybody sprang. The old drums were beating out to land, to land. Don't go on the excitement gang. Oh, Mona Lisa on a motorcycle gang. 